Well, good morning. And, and let me first of all echo what Taylor said a moment ago and wish you moms out there a happy Mother's Day. And I know this is a bit of a crazy day today. Things are a little out of whack. Uh, don't think I'm even going to be able to see my mom in person. Uh, haven't been able to for quite a long time. And I'm sure things are a little bit different for you. Uh, but happy Mother's Day to all you moms out there. And I know my mom's watching. So mom, happy Mother's Day. I love you and look forward to seeing you soon. Uh, today, we are, are going to uh, kind of jump into uh, a message in Hebrews, but I do want to take the things that we're talking about in Hebrews 4 here in just a little bit, and it's remarkable how much these things apply to moms and how much they are just, uh, you know, what we see in the character of God is, is so often reflected in our moms as well. But it just kind of made me think about something. I was watching a show this week. It's a show about a family with nine kids and they have an older son and they have two twin boys and then they have sextuplets, which by the way is just a humorous name for me of, for six kids coming out at the same time. But this show kind of chronicles their family and these two boys, these two twin boys, they're about six years old in this episode that I saw. The mom wanted to do something special with some of the older kids and she wanted to go on a date with these older kids. And these twin boys that are about six were like, ooh, don't call it a date. And they were, you know, acting all grossed out by it and everything. And, and you know what they were doing? They were doing what is written into well, it's unwritten, but it's just burned into the brains of young boys. This is our unwritten boy code, and that is that you have to act boy tough, right? Now, moms, you know this because if you have boys in particular, you know what I'm talking about. Well, they've got to act boy tough. You know, they've got to act like they've got it all together. But here's the thing. When they went out with, with their mama on their, their date with their mom, which, by the way, when she said, where do you want to go? They ended up going to the hardware store. So that was great. And they had their little date to the hardware store, and the boys got to buy tools. So it was a little bit of both. But they were loving their time with their mama. And it just made me think, you know, it doesn't matter how hard our, our uh, exterior shell might appear, deep down inside in every boy or girl and every person is this desire to find a place of comfort, to find, find a place of rest, find a place of peace. And mom, you provide that for your children. But today we're going to talk about the fact that even more than that, God provides that for his children. And so what we see uh, in our moms is reflected in the character of God and what God wants to provide for every one of us today. So I want to invite you to open your Bible with me. And of course, we'll put the words up on the screen for you as well. But it's even better if you have uh, a Bible on your own de device or if you're still old school like me and like to have something that you can open to uh, uh, like that even better. But Hebrews chapter 4, starting in verse 1, says, Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have had the good news proclaimed to us just as they did, but the message they heard was of no value to them because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. Now we who have believed enter that rest, just as God has said. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. And yet his works have been finished since the creation of the world. For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in these words. On the seventh day God rested from all his works. And again in the passage above he says, they shall never enter my rest. Therefore it still remains for some to enter that rest. And since those who formerly had the good news proclaimed to them did not go in because of their disobedience, God said a certain day calling it today. This he did a long time later. 
This he did when a long time later he spoke through David, as in the passage already quoted today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their own works, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. Today, I, I want us to talk about the importance of entering God's rest. And at the very beginning of this passage, verse 1, uh, you know, we've all heard this before that the Bible repeatedly admonishes us not to fear, right? Uh, the, the command, do not fear, do not be afraid. We've heard that's one of the most commonly repeated ones in the Bible. Did you know that this passage actually starts out, and it isn't translated exactly that way, what I just read from, but it literally starts out in the original language. Verse 1 says, let us fear. Let us fear. Now, what is it exactly that we are to fear? We are to fear not entering God's rest. It's just that big of a deal. It's just that important that we understand um, what a big deal it is that we enter God's rest. Now, to, to repeat, we talked about this a little bit last Sunday because in chapter 3 of Hebrews, it does talk about um, th how the people didn't enter God's rest there as well. And so chapter 4 kind of continues on that theme. But we talked about the fact that entering God's rest has more to do with, in the original context, the people in the promised land, entering the promised land, uh, they were wandering in the desert at this time, not allowed to enter because of their unbelief. And so they never came to that point where they were um, able to just find that, that, that peace and that rest that they were looking for. They never entered into this land that was flowing with milk and honey, as the Bible describes it. And so it, it had to do with their physical situation and what was going on. But I think in our case, and he applies it to his readers here, obviously his readers are not still wandering in the desert, right? So there is a greater application than that. And I believe what it says to us is that it's not as much about a physical location as much as it is about what's going on inside. Anybody ever get restless internally? I know that I do, um, especially lately. You know, it seems like in our lives, there, there's a lot of stuff going on. Um, you know, we're dealing with health issues, everything from our, our daughter, my parents, to um, trying to make decisions about the future and uh, preparing for college and the future of our church. And there's a lot going on uh, in my world these days as there is in yours. And the result of that is that we can begin to feel a little bit restless inside. We can begin to feel just kind of, you know, just out of sorts a little bit. And, and I've been feeling that, especially this past week, just a little bit of that restlessness. But the flip side of that is that, that my relationship with Christ, my, my personal relationship with Jesus is, is more real than it ever has been before. And, and, and in the midst of that somewhat restlessness, we find rest. I don't know if that even makes any sense at all, that we can be somewhat restless and, and find rest all at the same time. Uh, but what we are admonished here is to be careful or to fear that we not miss out on this opportunity to enter God's rest. So then the question becomes, how do we do that? Because that sounds good, right? That sounds like something every single one of us would want. How do I find this rest that God is speaking of? 
I'm going to share three things with you today. And the first one just comes right out of verse 2. In verse 2, he says that the people did not enter the rest. But it says because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. Here's the first thing is that we must combine hearing with faith. We have to combine our hearing with faith. It isn't enough just to receive the message, but we need to, to take that message and combine it with faith. Now, in this case, it says that, that the people heard the message back then, even during this time of wandering, just like the recipient of this letter heard the message. Now, obviously, that's not the full gospel message, but what they did see and experience was God intervening on behalf of his people, God doing miracles on behalf of his people. It even says that they drank from this rock and it says that that rock was Christ. So they're experiencing the a, a kind of a, a preview of the gospel while they are wandering in the desert in the Old Testament. The problem was that they did not respond with faith that they saw God work and then they just kind of turned back to their old ways of doubt and question and, and they didn't do that. The, the, the listener uh, or the recipients of this letter to the Hebrews, on the other hand, did receive it with faith. And this is interesting because these are Hebrew people, meaning Jewish background believers. And many of those who were of Jewish background rejected the gospel message. They did not believe in Jesus, but there were some who did received that message. They combined the hearing with faith. And as a result, they experienced something that, that was life-changing. But I want you to notice in verse 2, some, a little phrase that is that just really... You know how you read in the Bible, sometimes certain phrases just jump off the page to you and scream at you. This was the one in verse 2 in this passage for me. It said, but the message they heard was of no value to them. The message they heard was of no value how in the world could this good news uh, uh, that the people had heard be of no value to them? And the answer is they didn't combine it with faith. They, they, didn't, they didn't take what they heard and, and believe it and trust it and respond in obedience to it. And it made me think that same thing can happen to us. I wonder if you can relate to that. I wonder if you have heard the message many, many times before. Maybe your parents have instilled this in you from the time you were young. Maybe you've grown up in a Christian school. Maybe you've grown up in church all your life. Maybe you could recite the message and teach it very clearly to somebody else. But the truth be told, you've never truly combined what you've heard with personal faith in Christ. See, the message is, is, is more of a, um, a story of facts. It's something like, for example, you could probably recite certain facts about Abraham Lincoln or George Washington or Betsy Ross or some, you pick it, some historical figure. You could probably tell certain information about them. But that's, there's no faith involved in that, right? If all we do is come to the gospel message and we hear it and we, yes, I know the facts and Jesus died and he rose again and all these things and know the miracles he did and all that, but there's, there's no combining it with faith. It says it does us no good. Isn't that a shame to think about that? That this powerful message that we have could be completely useless to us if we don't combine it with faith. Y'all know I like to have little, little visual illustrations every once in a while, so I brought one with me today. Uh, we're going to have a little bit of fun here this morning with, uh, with this little visual. I don't know if any of you at home are familiar with J.B. Weld. It's kind of a fun little thing. The way this works is 
that you take these two different packets and uh, each of them, when they are combined together, they uh, have a chemical reaction and, and become something that is, that is very, very strong and capable of putting things back together. Now, I've got my, my fun little gateway pencil with me today, and as much as I love gateway, sorry, we just broke the little gateway pencil in half right there, and that's kind of a shame, but don't worry, it can be fixed back together. Now, here's what we need to do. We need to take one of the, the little pieces right there, one of the, the elements, and we need to put that out there. And this is the important part. We need to take the other one. So one of these, let's say, is the gospel. One of them is faith. So we've got the gospel message that God has given us. And we've got some faith there. The problem is, if we just leave them like that, it's not going to do any good. What needs to happen is, we need to take them and mix them together a little bit. And when you mix those elements together, put a little bit more in there just to have a little bit more fun, right? Mix them up really good. Uh, then what's going to happen is that it's going to create this, this compound that becomes like a cold weld and it will put things back together and it's pretty remarkable uh, what you can do once you do that. So you can take something like this pencil that I showed you a moment ago and I didn't do a very good clean break on this, but you can take something broken and actually put it back together again. Uh, now I'm going to show you what that does because here's the little trick on this. It takes about four to six hours for this to work. So I really wanted to do it right now, come back and show you later, uh, but we're not going to necessarily be able to do that, but we'll just kind of play along a little bit here, put a little bit of this on there, put some of these things back together here, and then we can come back at a later time and see how we're doing. I'm just going to let that sit there for a little bit, put a little bit extra on the outside, and just kind of see what happens. Trying not to get it on myself. That wouldn't be good. All right. So that is a picture of what takes place when we combine hearing with faith. Just one of those elements on its own isn't enough. They have to be mixed together in order to do what we want them to do. And so today I want to encourage you with this, that, that, that the reminder of the way we enter God's rest is, is by hearing the message and combining it with faith. Now it's, a, um, it's, it's Mother's Day today. So let me give a little bit of encouragement to our moms out there as we talk about this idea of faith and how important it is to combine the message with faith. Moms, here, here's the world that you live in most likely. As a mom, there is a lot of pressure that is put on you by our society to be the perfect mom, right? Anybody feeling that today? You ever feel like you don't measure up to that perfect standard? Here's how we measure our mom so often. Whoever does the most stuff, whoever's got their kids involved in the most activities, whoever makes the best cookies or whatever it is, is some, something related to being the super mom that does everything so perfectly. And that's how we evaluate. And that's the pressure I suspect that you might be putting on yourself today. I've got to do all these things. And if I do enough good things, then people will look at me and say, she's a good mom. But how does that compare to what we're reading in Scripture today? How does that compare to what God says about a Sabbath rest for His people, what God says about faith? See, how, how we um, measure up in God's eyes 
has nothing to do with the activity that we do for him. In the same book of Hebrews, it says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. So it's, it's really a matter of, of faith in Christ. And I hope that's encouraging for somebody today to know you don't have to measure yourself by what you do. You can measure yourself by the trust that you have in Christ. And are you willing to just find your rest in him? Now, I know that doesn't mean that the laundry doesn't still need to be done and lunches need to be made and all that kind of stuff that you do as a mom still has to be done. But realize that you can also take a breath. You can rest uh, and, and find that Sabbath rest. In verse four, it reminds us of that. It says um, that, that about the seventh day, on the seventh day, God rested from all his works. And if God can rest from his works, I think we can do the same from time to time as well. Obviously, that doesn't mean we just kick our feet back and, you know, not do anything. We do have a responsibility, as we see in verse 7, when it tells us uh, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Uh, we have a responsibility to respond the right way. And that's going back to this response of faith. But let's talk for a minute about one of the words in that verse that is so important. And it's the word today. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. You see, um, our favorite word is the word tomorrow. I need to change my eating habits. I think I'll start on that. Say it with me. Tomorrow. The garage needs to be cleaned out. I'm just not quite up to it today. I'll get to it tomorrow. There's a difficult conversation that I need to have. I'm uncomfortable having it. I think I'll wait and not do it today. I'll do it tomorrow. See, we love the word tomorrow because tomorrow gives us an opportunity to put it off and put it off and put it off. And yet the Bible tells us that when God is working, when we hear his voice, it says today when you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. What that's saying is we need to respond immediately. Here's why. Let me give you two reasons why we should never expect that we can respond to God tomorrow. Number one is that we aren't even promised tomorrow. We, we don't know that we will have a tomorrow. But maybe even more important than that is that when tomorrow comes, it's going to have its own set of distractions and the likelihood of us hearing God's voice again tomorrow is not as high. That's why we need to respond today. We need to, to respond in faith immediately when God speaks to us. And, and along those lines of God speaking to us, let's continue reading verse 12. It says, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Here's the second thing is that we must allow God's word to do its work. This, this word of God is described as being alive, being living, being active. Now, I, I know I'm probably just a little bit weird, maybe more than just a little bit. But when I hear that, that word alive, that the word of God is alive, here's what my mind goes to. It goes to, you remember the old scene from the Frankenstein movie? When the professor is trying to bring this, this uh, creature to life, you know, and the electricity hits him, and, and it shows a little hand just start to wiggle a little bit. And the professor runs over and he starts to whisper, it's alive. And then he starts wiggling a little bit more and he starts repeating, he just keeps repeating himself, it's alive, it's alive. And it ends with him going, it's alive. 
This word of God, maybe I'm weird that I think of that, but I think of this, this power and the excitement that we should have when we come to it and say, it's alive. It really is. Not that it's going to start wiggling and get up off of a table, but the word of God is alive. It's active. It says that it's sharper than any double-edged sword. When you see that, that metaphor there of a double-edged sword, it's talking about something as sharp as it could possibly be. And it divides, it cuts through, it divides into who we are. In Revelation 1.16 it says that, that Jesus himself had this double-edged sword that came out of his mouth. And then again in chapter 2 of Revelation, it describes Jesus as the one who has the double-edged sword. That makes sense because in John's gospel, it, it describes Jesus as the Word. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. And so Jesus, this, this Word of God, this gospel message, this double-edged sword that penetrates in everything, that, that's the message of the gospel. That's the Word of God for us. And we should want it to penetrate everything. You know, it says that it gets down into the core of, of who we are. Look at what it says, the, the different ways it describes it. It says it divides soul and spirit. That's the spiritual part of who we are. Joints and marrow, the physical part of who we are. And it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. That's the emotional and mental side of who we are. In other words, the Word of God penetrates deeply into every aspect of who we are. Everything about us is laid bare before the Word of God if we allow it to do its work. Now the question is, why would we not allow God's Word to do its work? And I think the reason is because when you get sliced, it can be a little painful. The, the cutting that the Word does, I look at it like this. It's like having a surgery that is necessary. If you know that there is a surgery that could fix a medical problem... It probably makes sense, or it might, might or might not, but it, it might make sense for you to say, I think I'm going to have that surgery because the benefits in the long term are much greater than, than not doing that, and so I want to go ahead. But here's the thing. While everybody might look forward to the end result of surgery, nobody looks forward to being cut on. Nobody looks forward to the recovery of, this was a bit painful, what they had to do for a good purpose was painful. And, and so it might not be too pleasant at the time, but like a precise surgeon, God does not make any unnecessary cuts. Everything that the Bible does when it penetrates and slices into our hearts is for a purpose and because God is doing His healing work and because God is doing His convicting work and His things that will help us become more like Christ. But we need to allow the Word of God to do its work. And the way we do that is by spending as much time as we possibly can and by, by learning it and taking it and allowing it to get down into the core of who we are. Now let's finish off this chapter by reading the last few verses here. Verse 14. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we, prof we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Here's the last idea that I want to touch on quickly before we wrap up this morning, and that is that we need to keep the faith. That's what he's saying here. Keep moving forward. Keep your faith. Stick with it. Let us home firmly, it says in verse 14, 
to the faith that we profess. In other words, don't give up. You know, it's really easy for us when we get excited about God's work in our lives. It's kind of like this fire gets ignited in us, you know, and the fire starts to, to, to burn and we're excited about it. But what happens to a fire over time? It tends to die out. Unless you do what? Unless you add fuel to the fire? Unless you stoke the fire a little bit? That's what we need to do. We need to make sure that, that we are, over time, continuing to add fuel to the fire. Then the question is, how do we do that? What does that look like for us? And the answer, this is going to sound like a, a, just a Sunday school answer, but it's what it says here in this passage. In verse 15, we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with us. We stay close to Jesus. I mean, that, that really is it. We allow Christ himself in us to be the one to keep us going because we can't do it on our own. We don't have the ability to keep ourselves going the way we need to keep going in our faith. But Christ can do that. And if we keep our heart very close to his, then he will do that. In fact, it says that he understands what we're going through. He was tempted in every way, just as we are. He, he didn't sin, but, but we have that, that relationship with Christ, somebody who understands that we can come to and that can continue to see us through. So, verse 16, this chapter ends with this reminder. What should we do then in light of that? What does it look like for us to, to say that we need to depend on Jesus, keep our heart close to Jesus? What does it look like? Verse 16, it looks like us approaching the throne of grace with freedom and confidence. It means that, that because of our relationship that, that we approach God, that we are allowed to have access into the presence of God. Moms, how do you respond when one of your children comes to you and expresses a need that they are looking to you to meet? It probably depends on how many times that happened in the last 30 minutes, right? But in general, don't you feel honored when your kids look to you because they know that you can meet the needs that they have? And they're turning to you because they know I can't do it on my own. I have to look to someone greater than me to fulfill that need. In the same way, I believe that God is honored when we as his children come to him and we say, God, I'm approaching you because I need what you are offering. I, I need for you to do for me what I cannot do for myself. And the Bible tells us that when we approach him with this confidence, which that is a great little side note there, most moms don't have kids that are terrified to come to them. If they are, there's a problem there, right? A child feels like I can approach my mom. My mom loves me and is, is taking care of me. The same way we can approach God with freedom and with confidence. And when we do, what do we find? There are two things it says that we find. We find mercy and we find grace to help us in our time of need. And I just want to close with that thought of what we can find from God and what he wants to offer to us. Number one, he wants to give us mercy, which means that we don't get what we deserve, thankfully. The truth is that because of our sin, because of our rebellion against God, and it's true of me, it's true of you, it's true of every one of us, what we deserve is eternal separation from God. We deserve to pay the death penalty for our sins, but what we get is Jesus paying that for us. 
When Jesus gave his life in our place, when he died on the cross, he was paying the, the penalty that you and I owe. He was satisfying the righteous requirements of the law on our behalf. Jesus died for us so that we don't have to get what we deserve. But then it says not only is there mercy, but it says that he also gives us grace. If mercy is not giving us what we do deserve, grace is giving us what we don't deserve. It's giving us the riches of God. It's giving us eternal life through Christ. It's giving us forgiveness. It's giving us peace. It's giving us joy. It's giving us purpose in this life. All of these things God offers to us. But he can't force us, he won't force us to receive it. So my challenge for you today is to respond in faith to receive this mercy and this grace that God wants to give you. But let me go back again to that word that we talked about a moment ago, and that is the word today. You see, we need to respond today. You know what happens when we do? Didn't have time for my other pencil to dry, but I, you just have to trust me, I did one of these yesterday, and it works. I broke it in half, and it's, it's actually pretty solid now because of this little weld there. It holds, God can put our lives back together again. If we take the word and combine it with faith, God can take what was broken and he can put it back together again. And he can do that in your life today. If you will come to him in faith and trust and say, I want you to restore me and I want you to forgive me and give me new life, he'll do that. So I want to lead you through a prayer. If you've never done this, don't, don't put it off. This isn't something to do tomorrow. This is something to do today. This is something to do right now. If you're ready to pray and commit your life to Christ and pray something like this with me, and we'll put the words on the screen for you as we pray. Let's pray together. Jesus, I know I've made a mess of my life. I'm a sinner and I can't fix myself. I come to you needing your grace and mercy. Right now, I turn away from my sin and I place my full trust in you. I believe that you died on the cross and rose again, and I give my heart to you. I'm yours from this day forward. In your name I pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer to receive Christ into your life, the Bible tells us that you have become a new creation in Christ. And here's what we want you to do. We want you to share that with us so we can come alongside and help you. I simply want you to do this. Text the word today to the number that you see on your screen. And we'll be able to follow up with you and kind of say, here's how we can come alongside and help you in this process. But just do that right now, not tomorrow, not later, but right now, text that word today to the number on the screen. If you made a decision to trust in Christ or... If there's something else on your heart, a next step that God wants you to take today, maybe you've been putting it off, you take that next step and we'll, we'll just give you the opportunity to share with us what God has put on your heart. Text that word today to the number on the screen now so that we can follow up with you there and come alongside. Uh, I'm excited to see how God's going to work in response to what he's doing here. And, and we believe that he has some, some great things that he wants to do in our lives. Once again, um, 
Happy Mother's Day, moms. Thank you for being that, that example. Thank you for being that place in a human sense that we can find peace and that we can find rest. Uh, before I turn it over to Stephen, just a reminder, if you uh, would like to continue to support the work of Gateways, we continue to minister. Uh, you can do a couple of things. Download the PushPay app and do a search for Gateway. You can give that way, or you can go to our website, gatewayonline.org give and support the ministry that way as well.